Good morning, church. I want to invite you to stand with me. This weekend, we continue our organic series that Pastor Ken's been leading us through from Galatians chapter 5. And this week, we continue with that same key verse that has been leading us week after week. Galatians 5.22 reads like this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, say that again, gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Now, I don't know about you, but this raises a whole bunch of questions. Gentleness, really? I mean, I hear people say all the time, oh, I need more love in my life. I hear people say, oh, if we could just have peace. Or, oh, I want joy to be more in my life. But when's the last time somebody came to me and said, Pastor Wayne, would you pray that I'll be more gentle? (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't know that anybody's asked me to pray that for them. This gentleness thing's raised a lot of questions, and yet it's a fruit of the Spirit. And I believe that by the time we leave this weekend, all of us are going to say, God, I'm ready for it. I want to be more gentle. I want to have gentleness. Gentleness. Say that with me. Gentleness. Lord, we come to you, gentle shepherd. Come and lead us, for we need you to help us find our way. Lord Jesus, gentle shepherd, come and feed us. For we need your strength from day to day. There's no other we can turn to who can help us face another day. But you, Lord Jesus, gentle shepherd, come and lead us and help us find our way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give thanks to our gentle shepherd. Amen. We're going to read in a few minutes a powerful scripture that says this. Clothe yourselves with gentleness. Clothe yourselves, put on gentleness. So as you're being seated, turn to the person next to you and say, you're about to get a new wardrobe. I want to encourage you to reach into your bulletin. There's an outline there to follow along with today's message on gentleness. If you'll take that out, there's a place for you to fill in blanks, to write notes, but most of all, to write what the Lord says to you as we work on this fruit of gentleness in our lives this weekend. Well, I already shared one question with you. I've got another one. I mean... I read the Bible and like there's so many wars and battles and killing and violence. It's like, what's with the gentleness thing? How does that work? Well, let me help you understand what life was like in the Near East in those days. Everything was about you, your family, and your tribe. And everything you did was to preserve your tribe. Everything you did was to protect. And so you gathered possessions, you gathered land, you fought battles because you needed to take care of yourself because nobody else would. In fact, the first blank on the outline says this, tribes in ancient history existed for their own preservation and well-being. 
people gone into tribes to protect themselves. It was for their own preservation and their own well-being that they banded together and would fight battles. And you read in the, in the Bible that king so-and-so with so many swords and so many camels and so many donkeys and so much cattle gathered together and, and connected with the king so-and-so had so many swords. And they made these alliances and they built them because you were always one battle away from being annihilated. And so what they did is they worked strongly to preserve their tribal identity. Tribal preservation was the center of everything. But very early on in that kind of atmosphere, God had a different plan. You don't have to read far into history, whether you're studying secular history or any kind of history, to see wars and battles and defeat and brutal brutality and violence. But here's what God does. First book of the Bible, he introduces something different. God called Abraham to be the leader of a new tribe. This new tribe was not just for its own self-preservation, but the purpose of this tribe was to bless to bless, to bless all the other tribes. This is a radically new and different idea that gets introduced at the beginning of the Bible. All the world was about tribes and battles and self-preservation, and God says, I have a different kind of tribe in mind. My tribe is not just about preserving themselves and taking care of themselves. My tribe is about blessing all the other tribes. Again, you read the stories of the Bible, and it's so much battle and all this stuff going on. But here's the truth. The Bible has stories accurately reflecting the dominant consciousness of that day. But within those same violent stories are brand new ideas about serving and blessing, compassion, love, and gentleness. Again, first book of the Bible, God says, Abraham, I want your tribe to be different, be a blessing. Exodus, he says, I don't want there to be enslaving of other peoples. I want people to be free. Leviticus, he says, I want you to take care of widows and orphans and refugees. Deuteronomy, he says, I want you to love your neighbor. I want you to leave corn and grain on the edge of the field so the poor can come and glean that. When you look at the Bible, from start to finish, it's a different kind of thinking. It's not just self-preservation. It's not just tribal violence. It's not just kill or be killed. God says, I want a people who are going to be a blessing to others. I want a people who are going to use what they have to be a blessing. Because God has always been at work preparing a people who would allow his kingdom to be expressed through them on earth as it is in heaven. He wanted people to have a piece of heaven on earth by raising up a different kind of tribe. And our father Abraham in the faith was that tribe of faith that was called to be a blessing. And that's really what gentleness is all about. There are so many times in which we think gentleness, oh, that's weakness or that's spinelessness. But gentleness has to do with strength. There were two things that my parents said to me growing up that they wanted me to work on and that they wanted me to do. They said, Wayne, we're going to do everything we can to help you be a man of God with a heart after God. The way we pray for you, the way we lead you, the things you do, we want you to be a man of God. And the second thing, we want you to be a gentleman. 
Now, that's not just endless rules about standing up when a lady comes to the table or walks in the room or an older person. It's not just about opening doors for everybody. It's not just about going down the stairs in front of a lady so in case she falls, she falls on you, or going up behind her so if she falls, she falls on you. There were endless responsibilities and gentlemanly things that my parents were trying to teach me. And in the end, it's not just about rules and regulations. It's about knowing the right thing to do at the right time in the right place. And gentleness is knowing the right response at the right time. The biblical understanding of gentleness has all these layers that you'll see the definition there on your outline. It says gentleness is the willingness to make allowances for others by meeting real needs in God's way and furnishing what is needed. In other words, gentleness is knowing, assessing the situation, knowing what's needed and using power and resources to bring to bear in that moment what is needed. That's why Paul writes in Colossians, the verse I alluded to earlier, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourself with gentleness. Know what's needed and bring that to bear in that moment. Now I'd like you to turn to the back of your outline because I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit that we've been discussing for the last seven weeks about the power of the love, the joy, the peace, the gentleness, the faithfulness. Here's the bottom line truth. They are the result of the Holy Spirit. The result of the Holy Spirit is gentleness. Gentleness comes through and by the power of the Holy Spirit. First John, we read these powerful words that we are to grow up in every way more and more like Christ. As we become more like Christ and let the Holy Spirit work in us, then we're able to exhibit the fruit of gentleness. And there's some important truths related to that. First of all, roots determine fruits. Say that with me. Roots determine fruits. Here's what happens. You want to know what's going on in somebody's life. Look at their fruit. Look at their life. And you can tell what they're rooted in. Wherever you're rooted will determine the fruits you have. In fact, Jesus said to the Pharisees once in Luke chapter 6, a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. You can tell each tree by the kind of fruit it bears. You can tell where somebody's rooted by the kind of fruit, reactions, responses that come out of them. Next, the result of the Holy Spirit bringing gentleness is that the deeper the roots, the greater the fruits. Let's say that together. The deeper the roots, the greater the fruits. We all know that when storms come, and they will, when winds blow, and they will, the deeper your roots are, the less likely you are to be blown over. And we are to be rooted deeply in Christ. Ephesians 3, we read these words, Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Again, the deeper our roots in Christ, the greater there will be the fruits that are developed in our life. Next is this. We've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit from this isn't about trying harder. It's about trusting. It's about It's about 
the reason we're doing this series isn't we'll try harder to love people and we'll try harder to have peace and we'll try harder to be joyful and we'll try harder to be gentle. No, this is about the power of God working in us when I don't want to love, when I don't know how I'm going to have peace, when joy is so far from my thinking, and when the last thing I want to do is be gentle, it's the result of the Holy Spirit working in us. This is not a series about, come on, let's be our best. Let's be all we can be. Let's be better. No, this is about trusting in God. In Zechariah, it comes across so strongly when the prophet writes these words, you will not succeed by your own strength or your own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. How are we going to succeed? How are we going to have strength? By the power of the Holy Spirit producing the fruit within us. We have an exercise we do around here. Everybody put both your hands up. Let's do it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's try it again. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's not the way it goes. I can do all things. I can have love. I can be gentle. No, it's through Christ. Some of you might by nature be a little more loving or a little more joyful, a little more gentle, but the reality is for all these fruit to be built in your life, it's through Christ who strengthens us. This is about being plugged into him. And here's what it is. It's keep rooted in Christ. Say that with me. Keep rooted in Christ. We've got to make sure that's where our source of input, our source of life, our source of strength, our source of nutrients, our source of direction is that our roots are in Christ. Jesus, the last week of his life, when he was in the upper room with the disciples, was giving some key truths. And here's what he said to his disciples and to us. He says, remain joined to me, just as I also remain joined to you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain joined to the vine. In the same way, you can't bear fruit unless you remain joined to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain joined to me and I to you, you will bear a lot of fruit. The only way to bear this fruit is by remaining joined, rooted in Christ. Amen? Let's give him thanks for that. There's another important part of fruitfulness and growth. Get plenty of light from the Scripture. Get plenty of light from the Scripture. You don't have to study botany and biology very long until you come across a word called photosynthesis. Phos is the Greek word for light. Synthesis is to bring together. Light brings something together in plants. What it does is through photosynthesis, a light, a plant converts light into energy to produce activity. And there's a spiritual photosynthesis that happens through the Word of God. Psalm 119 says, Lord, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Here's what happens. When I let the light of God's word shine into my heart, it helps me to have a spiritual photosynthesis that produces gentleness, love, patience, and peace. 
The light of God's word is the source by which we are renewed in our minds. Through that we're, remi- we're renewed. And here's two things. We all know physically you are what you eat, but spiritually you are what you think. Spiritually, you are what you think. What you think about. If you think about how it's not fair, what's going on in your life, how it doesn't happen for me, if all you're thinking about what's wrong and who did this and who did that, if all you're thinking about all those circumstances, then you're not going to produce that fruit. But when we think about these things, when we think about the Word of God, that's why we come here. That's why we join together. That's why we come for worship. We come here. We hear the Word of the Lord. We, we worship in God's presence. He ministers life to us. We fellowship. When we read the Word, all these are means by which we stay rooted in Christ so we have the right light to produce the fruit that God wants to produce inside of us. Now, I want you to open up to the inside of your outline. I've got a giant tree that we put together for you. And this tree talks about two kinds of things. On the left side is me, the center. This is what gets produced when I'm the center of everything. Because it's all about doing what I want, what I feel like, what I deserve, and what should be happening in my life. But on the right side is when Christ is the center. And that is when we have gentleness, which is defined as doing what is needed, doing the right thing at the right time. When we are rooted in Christ, we will have that fruit. When we are rooted in ourselves, it's all about doing what I want. But the difference is in the middle is the scripture from Romans 12. Be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word of God becomes the light that helps me Go from being centered in me to centered in Christ. And that's what this is all about. Rather than just reacting, responding to my life, what I want, what I need, I, 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 I let the light of God's word fill me to create a spiritual photosynthesis so that being centered in Christ produces good fruit. Let me give you some examples. Your cathedral of faith. You come here, you're just so encouraged. The battle is the Lord's. God's going to work in me. I have so much hope for this week. God, you're going to help me. You're going to strengthen me. And so you go out and you get in your car and you're all excited. You can't go out and can't wait to go out and face this week. It's going to be a great week. And so you get in your car, turn it on, and there's a little family. You let them cross it so that, you know, they can get across and they're taking their little kids. And then you go to pull out and a car goes by and like you can't get out. And it's like you inch out in another car, in another car, in another, and it's like you keep inching. I can't they see I'm trying to get out? How am I going to go be a blessing this week? I can't even get out of the parking lot. And all of a sudden, anger is just rising up inside of you. Another person pulled in front, like, don't they see me? But wait. Then a light goes on. And that light is God's word. The light of God's word in James says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the fruit that God desires. That's when the light of God comes and brings spiritual photosynthesis so that rather than anger, The light helps me have self-control. 
That's where the light of God's word comes in. It takes us from a me-centered life. I can't even get out of the parking lot. To God, give me self-control in this moment. So you waited another 30, 90 seconds. Really? Let me give you another example. You have been praying for your boss week after week after week. And then you heard Joe Lee and Pastor Wayne talk about giving an invite card. You know that your job review is Monday morning. And you think, I'll take a little card with me. And I can tell my boss about the 225,000 lights. And, you know, maybe she's ready to come. And, and this might be the moment when God works in her life. And so you're all excited. You can't wait to go to your job review. And you've got it here in your pocket so you can bring it out at just the right moment. And you sit down. And your boss sort of starts nitpicking about all this stuff. Well, you know, you shouldn't be doing this and you should be doing that. And all of a sudden you realize, not only am I not getting a promotion, I'm not getting a raise. And all of a sudden you're thinking, well, you don't care about any of us. And in your head you're thinking, you always show up late. Nobody likes you here anyway. And I'm, I'm going I'm to go to your boss after this and tell him what a lousy boss you are. Here's what happened. Their one critical statement about what you do and your work ethic all of a sudden launched a critical spirit inside of you. And inside, you're thinking of everything she's done wrong, everything is right, and you forgot all about this little card. You're just so critical of everything that's going on. But wait, then a light goes on. And that light is the truth of God's word in Colossians chapter 3 when it says, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with kindness. God, would you help me move from a critical spirit to being kind in this moment? Maybe there's something you want to speak to me. But in this moment, would you come and help me bear fruit as if I'm centered in you? You see, that's the difference between the old self, me-centered, and the new self. We put off the old person and put on the new person in Christ. Let me give you another example. you got a couple minutes before you have to go out, and you think, oh, I'll check my Facebook page. So you're typing in. It's like, oh, there's a friend request from that new guy I met at church. Let me go ahead and accept the friend request. Oh, let me look at his page. Oh, look what? God supplied $1,000 that I wasn't expecting? And now I get to spend two extra days at Disney with my kids. What? I've been praying because I can't even pay my rent, and you get two extra days at Disney. <laughs> what? I can't believe it happens for everybody. It never happens for me. Everybody else has got a life go well. My life is never going well. It always ends up this way. But wait. Then a light goes on. And here's what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not want what belongs to others. And all of a sudden, that envious spirit gets replaced with the ability to rejoice with others. In the flesh, we can't do that. But by the light of God's word shining in us, we can let fruit rise up that doesn't come naturally to us. You see, you read these Old Testament stories about battles and wars and tribal self-preservation. The reality is that's what the me-centered life is, tribal preservation. 
It's all about me, what I want, what I deserve, and who offended me, and what happened in my life. Well, let me get a little personal here. One of the old self things that comes up from time to time where I need the light of God's word is revenge. Now, it's not that I've been abused. It's not that I've been stabbed in the back. It's not that I've lost my job. At least I hope not. (laughs) No thumbs up. (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. For me, it happens when I'm driving. You're going along, clipping the right pace with everybody else, and then this car just pulls in front of you. What are they thinking? They're on their cell phone, and they just pull over. They don't even see me. Or, 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 I'm in the HOV lane. My wife and I are commuting to work together. Two people, HOV lane. That's what HOV means. Two people. And here's this little pokey car in front of me, and it's not electric. It's just a car with one guy poking along. It's like, doesn't he know this is for us, the HOV people? What is he doing here? It's, he's slowing me down. I'm going to get to work 30 seconds later. Or, or you're in the HOV line, and you come up to your exit, and you put your blinker on, but instead of someone saying, oh, look, there's a blinker, let them in, they like push up closer. <laughs> and you put your blinker on, they get closer to the car in front of them. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's like they're saying, so much for you, HOV people, you're not getting in our lane. <laughs> when I was a little boy, they had the James Bond car that would come to all the malls, and you could look at it. It was so cool to be up close, this James Bond Uh, car that was there, and the guy was explaining it to us. And there was this one little button you push, and four darts strategically went out and hit the four tires of the car in front of you. (laughs) There was another button, if you pushed it, it messed with the car's engine and shut it off next to you, and they coasted to the shoulder. I am so glad my car doesn't have those. Because when that person cuts me off or pokes in front of me or won't let me over, there's a part of me that rises up in revenge. But wait, then a light comes on. God wants me not to be controlled by a me-centered revenge. He wants forgiveness in my heart. Not just to care about me and what I want and what I have and what I can take place in my life and my schedule and my entitled existence. No, he wants revenge to be changed to forgiveness when I let the light of his word shine in me. That's what God wants to make us a gentle people. In fact, gentleness is strength under control. Say that with me. Gentleness is strength under control. I might have all this power, all this ability, all these possible responses, but rather than choosing what the me-centered person would choose, I choose what God would have me to do, to let him work in me and to flow through me and to fulfill his purposes in me. And here's some important truths about gentleness. Gentleness diffuses conflict. 
If you've got conflict going on, gentleness will stop it. The Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath, turns away anger. Have you ever noticed that whoever you're across from, you tend to reflect their emotion? Somebody gets angry at you, you get angry at them. Somebody insults you, you insult them. We tend to do what's done to us, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, when the light shines on us, what happens is we get a different response, and that gentleness diffuses that anger. Gentleness also disarms critics. Say that with me. Gentleness disarms critics. You know, some people are addicted to being angry. They like it, and they like to make you angry because it makes them feel alive. You know what? Don't give in to that. Don't let that control, but you can disarm people by responding in gentleness. The next thing is this. Gentleness is attractive. It's attractive. When you're gentle, you'll attract gentleness. When you see it, it's an attractive thing. People will be attracted to you. They'll be attracted to God's work in you. Gentleness also communicates love. Gentleness communicates love. Say that with me. Gentleness communicates love. The quickest way to improve your relationships is to respond in gentleness. You'll be a more effective parent, a more effective spouse, a more effective friend, a more effective community member if you will just let gentleness work in you. Next, gentleness earns respect. Say it with me. Gentleness earns respect. Outside of Jesus, the one person who is noted as the gentlest person in the Bible was Moses. But you know what? Moses had an anger issue. He got so mad, he killed an Egyptian and had to go into hiding for 40 years. He was up worshiping God and getting the Ten Commandments, and he came down and saw what the people were doing. He got so mad, he threw the Ten Commandments down and broke them. That's pretty big anger. He got in the wilderness, and instead of speaking to the rock, he hit the rock, disobeyed God, and he never got to go in the promised land. And yet, God called him the gentlest person on earth. Why? Not because he didn't have anger issues, but when anger came, he said, but wait. And a light went off. He understood the word of God. He understood the power of letting God produce something in him that he couldn't produce on his own. And that's the power you and I need. Not the self-preservation tribal instinct, but the Christ-centered life that says, God, you've got to show up and work in me. Here's the next point. Gentleness is a witness to unbelievers. Gentleness is a witness to unbelievers. When you respond to pressure with gentleness... It shows that you're rooted in Christ. In fact, get your cell phones ready. Some of you need to take a picture of the next screen. Titus chapter 3 says this. Believers should never speak evil of anyone, nor be quarrelsome. Instead, they should be gentle and show courtesy to everyone. Wait, wait, even if they're a different political party? Yes! <laughs> Gentle to everyone. Don't speak evil. Because if people like what they see in you, they'll listen to you. And if all they see is vitriol and anger and negativity, that's not much light shining through you. Because the reality is, gentleness makes me like Jesus. Let's all say that together. Gentleness makes me like Jesus. Jesus is the absolute 
picture of gentleness, of life under control. He was the gentlest person ever. In fact, there are so many ways you and I can describe Jesus, but let's look at how he described himself. This is what he thought was important. In Matthew chapter 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that great? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke up on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. You'll find rest for your souls. If you want to be like Jesus, it means gentleness is produced in you in your responses. And could it be, if you have stress and are resting, that there's not enough gentleness being produced in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit? So here's what I want you to take home. Here's what I want you to do this weekend. First of all, when someone serves you, be understanding, not demanding. Let's say that together. When someone serves you, be understanding, not demanding. There are a lot of people out there who serve you. Waitresses, waiters, baristas, people at banks, admin assistants. There's people who serve your children as their teachers and aides at school, children's ministries workers at Cathedral of Faith. There's all these people who serve you. And being gentle means I'm not entitled. I don't get mad because, oh, you didn't put the classic syrup in my coffee. I don't get mad because the meal took three and a half minutes instead of two. When you're dealing with people out there who are serving, be understanding, not demanding. Move from being me-centered self-preservation to being rooted in Christ and be gentle. Amen. You know how you can tell what you're rooted in? When you get bumped, when you don't get your way, when you get offended. That shows where you're really rooted. Now, we shouldn't be surprised that we're rooted in some of these things over here on the left-hand side. What we should do then is let the light of God's word shine in us to bring us direction. Here's another admonition for this week. When someone disagrees with you, be tender without surrender. Let's say that. When someone disagrees with you, be tender without surrender. We live in a culture where if you don't agree with me, I can't like you. Where in the world are you reading that in the Bible? That's the old self-preservation tribal mentality. Agree with me or off with your head. Okay, get your cameras ready again. Here's another verse for all you Facebook people. Here we go. Romans chapter 14. Receive with open arms those who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong in opinions and weak in the faith department, treat them gently. Don't put the slide away yet. Some people still need to get their cameras out. <laughs> this needs to go on your computer so that when you're on Facebook, you read this. Some of you are not very gentle. Okay, we're good, Ken. Thanks. You will never get your point across by being cross. And would you rather make a point or point people to Christ? Because they're not going to listen to you when you're not gentle. 
That's a different kind of tribe. A tribe that was intended to bless everyone, not just their own. And finally, when someone disappoints you, be gentle, not judgmental. Let's say that together. When someone disappoints you, be gentle and not judgmental. People are going to offend you. People are going to hurt you. People are going to disagree with you. People are going to blow it. Nobody's perfect, but be gentle, not judgmental. Do you know the only people Jesus ever got mad at were self-righteous, judging people who evaluated everybody else and put them in their place? So if you want to be on the side that Jesus speaks against, go ahead with your judgmental ways. But here's what Ephesians 4 says. Be gentle with one another and sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. God has shown you grace. Show grace to others. Amen. Let's give him thanks for that grace. Here's an important truth. No matter what anybody has ever done to you or will ever do to you, you will never have to forgive them as much as God's already forgiven you. That's a humbling thought. Really? I'm going to take all the forgiveness and grace I can get from God, but I'm not going to extend it to others? The reality is, sometimes that envious, revengeful, critical, prideful, me-centered, self-preservation mentality shows up. But wait, let the lights come on. Let the truth of God's word guide you, not self-preservation. God has always been looking for a people who recognized we have been blessed to be a blessing. We have been filled with grace to show grace. We've been filled with mercy to show mercy. We've been filled with forgiveness to show forgiveness. And that's why gentleness is all about Seeing the needs nobody else is seeing. Hearing the needs nobody else is hearing. Caring about those nobody else cares about. Because we see what's needed and we take the power and resources we have to put them to bear in that moment. That's what gentleness is. That's what will make all of us more effective as we're rooted in Christ to let the Holy Spirit's result be gentleness in the way we treat each other, the way we respond to even those we disagree with. Because it's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's give him thanks and praise for his faithfulness. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for a moment. I don't know what circumstances you're facing. I don't know who's wronged you. I don't know what storms are going around, what battles you're experiencing right now. But God wants you to know something. He can work in and through you to bring the right response. It's not like you have to ignore it and act like it's not there. It's not that you have to deny the anger or the envy or the pain, but what you do is you expose it to the light of God's word so he can produce his fruit in you and through you so that you, rather than being a self-preservation, self-centered, selfish person, you can be rooted in Christ and be a blessing. I'm just going to ask you to pause for a moment right now before the Lord. 
Because far more important than anything I've said today is what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you right now. Perhaps he needs to put a finger on a self-centered response you made this week. Maybe he needs to put his hand on a me-centered choice that you're about to make. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. You don't get on our case when these things of anger and criticism and revenge show up. But what you do is you provide a solution that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You're not asking us just to try harder. You're asking us to be rooted in you, to trust in you. As we declared at the beginning of this service, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Lord, come and bring strength, peace, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, goodness. Bring these fruit in us as we root ourselves in you. We will not let the person across from us determine our emotions. We will not let the actions and offenses of others determine our course of action. We will be rooted in you, and we will bless. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to give an opportunity to some of you who maybe your whole life has been about just trying harder. And even the reason you're at church is I'm trying to be good. But in the end, you need Christ. It's not just you trying harder. It's you need Jesus. And perhaps you need today get rooted in him to saying, Jesus, I recognize I don't have what it takes. I need you. Come into my life. Be the leader of my life. If you'd like to make that decision today, I invite you to raise your hand with me so I can pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. Lord, we come to you thanking you that you've done everything needed for us to come to relationship with you. You died on the cross for our sins You forgive us for everything we've ever done. And you set the model of what forgiveness and gentleness look like. Lord, for my brothers and sisters who've raised their hand, give them the strength today to put you center, to let your word be a light to them, to strengthen them, to uphold them. I just pray blessing and favor upon them as they take this step into a new relationship with you. In the name of our gentle shepherd, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's give God thanks and praise. Hallelujah.